Hello, I'm Casey. And I'm Emily. And you're listening to Macabre Minds, a true crime podcast. Woohoo! That's our first intro of the new show. That's so exciting. This is so exciting. Yeah. I know. So it's going to be great because we can just dive right into it. I mean, we can do like a little chatty chatty if we have something to say. Yeah. But um, I honestly don't have too much to say today. I'm just really excited to get into it. I know this is going to be like a this is going to be like a four part series, right? Yeah. So I think with Macabre Minds, with our new show, when it's like a particularly long case, um, like this one is, this one is going to be, um, I think I would prefer it um, if we split it up into like three or four, like half hour to 40 minute episodes on it instead of doing like two, like hour and a half or, you know, how we used to do um, episodes, because I think it would be easier for everyone to process information that way and for me to, like, break down so I don't have to do so much in one day of research. So I think it would be good to do that. So that's what I'm going to (laughs) do. All right. That sounds good. I'm here for it. All right. Um, So this case is... um, I'm pulling from the book called Victim F, and it is written by the two victims of this case, Denise Huskins and Aaron Quinn. Um, And it is extremely bizarre. Like, this is truly a bizarre case. And um, we've talked about, like, police ineptitude before, but this Mm -hmm. truly, this case, like, takes the cake of, like, police being absolute idiots it is really so horrible yeah like the worst I've ever heard of so yeah here we go um so Denise opens the book with this quote also since I'm pulling from their book I'm going to be using a lot of like direct quotes from their book which is called victim f um because it's just too good to not and it's straight out of their own words so exactly Um, So Denise opens it with, um, Aaron and I are meant for each other. Of that, I have no doubt. But does that mean I had to endure the unimaginable to experience trauma that no one should have to live through for us to be together? Are the two so intertwined that one cannot exist without the other? I don't know. What I do know is I would never take it back, not if it meant I would have to live my life without him. So just to preface, they are a lovely loving couple and um she still like no matter what would not take any of what happened to her back because if it was meant to be it was meant to be which I think is just already you can see she has a strong way of looking at what happens to her so right yeah I'm very curious to hear so um Denise Huskins and Aaron Quinn met in June 2014, working together at Kaiser Hospital in, I think this is pronounced Vallejo, um, V-A-L-L-E-J-O, and they're both physical therapists. Um, Aaron had been engaged to a woman named Jennifer Jones, which is not her real name. In the book, they changed her name to Jennifer Jones to protect her identity, so I will do that as well keep that name um Mm -hmm. but they had broken up because jennifer had had an affair she was cheating on aaron so 
but they still lived together after the breakup because like all her stuff was there and they just oh. lived in separate bedrooms in the house yeah so it's a little rough I know once you move in with each other and then you break up like I can only imagine that would be very difficult yeah it's not very like you can just strange. pack up and move out you know you're still yeah. gonna have to be adults and interact yep um but when Aaron and Denise started dating and they fell in love Jennifer moved out because obviously that is when you start a new relationship yeah that's what you have to do um but Aaron was really like affected by Jennifer's cheating and he wasn't totally over her um and hadn't really moved on yet um hadn't completely healed from that so Aaron and Denise started or decided to take a break and Aaron started going to therapy and he and Denise decided they should go on a date to talk about their future and what they wanted with each other um, because he finally yeah. felt like in the place to move on. I really respect that. I mean, yeah, like that's like the the totally mature thing to do. You know, you can't be in a really good relationship until you're okay with yourself. Yeah. So right, that's really Absolutely. good. Uh, so Denise went to his house at five thirty p.m. March twenty second, twenty fifteen, to have this talk, and they did end up having a reconciliation, and. They felt very happy and hopeful about their future together. Uh, and in the middle of the night, they heard a noise, but just fell back asleep thinking it was like one of the the neighborhood cat. But then they woke up to the, um, they woke up to hear, wake up, this is a robbery. We are not here <laughs> to hurt you. And this voice just keeps repeating those phrases like over and over. So they're just somewhere in their house saying that? They're in the bedroom with them. <gasps> and they just keep saying that? Yeah. Like, wake because they're, like, disoriented because they were, like, dead asleep. So they voice just keeps saying, like, wake up, wake up. This is a robbery until they're fully awake, which. Ooh. It, it, yeah. Imagine Ugh. waking up to that. Oh, my God. Um, oh, my God. So they see bright white lights flashing against the walls and then two or three red dots. And they're both certain that it's lights from guns, you know, like laser gun pointing, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And there are also multiple people in the room. But the only one speaking is like the leader of the group that they call the voice because they don't know his name at the time. Okay. Um, and... Denise said that the leader, the voice, um, spoke with, like, an accent. Like, he was obviously, like, trying purposefully to disguise what his voice sounded like um, okay. as he was, like, giving them instructions. And he tells them to lie face down. And then the intruders, he calls Aaron and Denise by their names. So yeah. now they know, like, oh, they know who we are. They know our names. So, um, wait, I'm confused. So, have they seen him yet? Or they just know it's a voice in their room? They can't, they can see, like, a black shape. But they can't, like, see their faces or anything. So, I wonder if um, it's someone they know. Yeah. And they're wearing uh, wetsuits. You'll find out. So, they're, like, covered head to toe. All these, there's, like, three or four people in the room, they think. I feel like when you move around in a wetsuit, it goes, like, right yeah it like sounds weird <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um 
So the voice places restraints on the bed and tells Denise to tie Aaron's hands behind his back and to tie his feet. And she, they do everything they're told because obviously you're frightened. They're like, we're not going to fight this. Maybe it really is just a robbery and we're, we'll just do what they say and they'll leave. Yeah. So as Denise is tying Aaron up, the voice keeps saying like, you're doing a good job. You're staying calm. You're doing a good job. And like, it's just like so jarring that like this voice is like speaking very calmly to them and telling them like, oh, like, good job. You're being calm. And then like, it's in the middle of this really, really scary situation. Like, that's so odd. You don't like, it would be kind of, I don't want to say like reassuring because it would also be kind of, it would be really horrifying, but mm-hmm. I, I just like, I feel like I wouldn't think that this person was going to hurt me. Like, right. If they're just like, if they're just like, okay, good. Thank you for staying calm. Yeah. We're just here to take your stuff. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like in that moment I would be like, okay, I don't think they're going to kill me. Yeah. Or hurt me. And I think that was their goal. Like they didn't want Denise and Aaron to freak out too much, which internally they are, but you know. Right. Um. So then he says, now you are going to walk to the bedroom closet and lie face down on the floor. Do not look up. Keep your head down. And she does. And they bind Denise's wrists and um, her hands with zip ties. And then Aaron is placed next to her on the closet floor. And swim goggles with dark tape around the lenses are put on their heads. And then they play. Uh, they put headphones on Denise and Aaron and play recordings the headphones um and the recording oh yeah it's very very planned for sure the recording um says stay calm we are not here to hurt you this is not your fault we are purely here for financial reasons this will be over soon and then the recording says a medical professional will be in shortly to check your vitals you will be given a mixture of nyquil and diazepam if you do not take it orally it will be injected um, what the heck? Yeah, super <gasps> weird. What? Super weird. Um, oh my gosh. Never heard of a robbery that went this way before in my life. So, no. Um, And then the voice who was speaking takes Denise's blood pressure and starts asking her medical questions. And if she were allergic to any medicines, she says no. And then they give her the sedative that they have. Um. And it's so weird. And then Denise comes to eventually after being drugged and she hears a new recording that says, we will ask you a series of questions about your bank accounts, passwords, and personal information. And they hear the sound of like a taser crackling. And the voice threatens them that if they don't tell the truth, they will shock the other person. So like if Aaron doesn't tell the truth, they'll shock Denise. If Denise lies, they'll shock Aaron. Um, so that they answer truthfully and of course they do they answer all the questions just give them everything you know like they're right completely compliant yeah um and then the voice picks denise up and puts her on the couch and then is like are you comfortable and she's like well i could use a blanket i'm like really cold and he's like oh yeah sure of course and it's like treating her like a guest in her in like aaron's home it's so weird. Um, and then he leaves and comes back a little later and tells Denise, 
oh, there's a problem. This was not meant for you. This was meant for Jennifer Jones. So we have to figure out what we're going to do. So they were here for Aaron's ex-fiance and mistook no. her. Yeah. What uh, is little Jennifer Jones up to? I know. Like, what is going on in her life? Where? But I thought, I thought they were calling him by name. They called um they called Aaron by his name. Sorry. Oh, I, sh- I said both of them, didn't I? Um, yeah. Oh my goodness, I see. Yeah. So now this this whole thing wasn't even like meant for Denise at all, unfortunately. Um, not that I think it should have happened to Jennifer either, but you know. Um. So they decide that they're going to take Denise for forty eight hours. To hold her for ransom. Um, They're like, it wasn't meant for you, but since we're here, we have to go through with it. Like, this is the original plan. Um, And Denise asks if she can use the bathroom, and they let her and give her privacy, and then they carry her to the trunk of the car. And she asks for a blanket once she's put in the trunk, and the voice said, oh, yeah, of course, I keep forgetting how cold it is because we're wearing wetsuits. And, like, like conversationally this whole time, like, calmly talking and, like, oh, I'm so sorry that this is happening to you. Like, stuff like that. Like, it's such a bizarre attitude. That is so creepy. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, while Denise is being taken away, um, Aaron is in the house and um, he is informed that it was supposed to be Jennifer Jones they were kidnapping. But they said, we will proceed with the operation because it will allow us to practice our protocols and there is enough financial benefit to us. It will cost you 15000 to get Denise back. Is that acceptable to you? And he says, yeah, of course, I'll pay anything to get her back. Um, and then Aaron is left with strict instructions from another recording. Um, and it says, you may be wondering why this is happening to you. It may help to know about our organization. We are a black market group hired to retrieve payments for personal and financial debts. Our group has secured payments across the country. This will be your burden to bear. Do not attempt to go to the police. Um, so they're a planned group. This is so, 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 so strange. Literally. Yeah, I do not understand how... So, So someone obviously hired them to do this right it seems like it yeah that's what i would think they're like some organization whatever and someone that knows jennifer jones yeah is out to get her Mm -hmm. weird yeah um And then the recording goes on to say that they will be watching Aaron and they've installed cameras all over his house to watch him and they give strict instructions of which areas of the house he can go in and there will be some areas that are taped off. And then it says waiting will be the hardest part. You should entertain yourself by reading. Stay strong for Jennifer. And then it stops. And it says Jennifer in the recording. So obviously they had pre-recorded this expecting her and like all of that. Yeah. Oh so, my god. He must crazy. be like I don't even know like would he be angry with Jennifer or is it just confusion? 
Yeah, I probably just, like probably just mainly just being so confused. So confused. Like what is going on? What could possibly what could this possibly be about, you know? Right. Um, uh, so Aaron wakes up at 5 a.m. the next morning um, and calls in sick to work and calls in sick for Denise as well, as they instructed him to do. Um, and then he gets a text that says that Denise is well and to send $8,500 from one account and $8,500 from another account. And then they'll drop Denise off tomorrow night or early Wednesday morning. Um, but the bank only allowed $3,500 in cash to be taken out. So Aaron tries to contact them, telling them this, but then there's no response from them. So he starts panicking that because he didn't have the money, they were going to do something. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But they should know that. I mean, they're clearly an organized group, right? Right. Like, don't you think they would know that? You'd think. Um, and then Aaron decides to call his brother, Ethan, who is an FBI agent. Um, and Ethan tells Aaron, call 911, even though Aaron is concerned what will happen to Denise. But he, his brother persuades him to call 911. So the police come to look around the house. Um, and they show up. And an officer Garcia asks Aaron to give a blood sample and come to the station for questioning. At Aaron's questioning, the officers ask him, like, personal questions about Denise and Aaron's relationship. Like, were you fighting recently? Are you still in love with Jennifer? Did you want Denise out of the way? Like, things like that. And two detectives take his clothing for evidence. And then Detective... Matt Mustard comes in to interview Aaron. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, with Denise, this goes very, like, I'm telling the story, like, back and forth because the chapters in the book, like, it'll be, like, narrated from Denise of what was happening to her and then what's happening narrated, like, from Aaron. So they, like, I see tell the story like that. So I'm going to follow what the book does. Yeah, so, that's interesting. Um. Because, you know, this is happening to both of them. This is, like, two sides of it. Um, but, yeah. So, Denise uh, was transferred into the truck trunk of a second car, and they kept driving. And then um, he takes her out of the car when they get to their destination and puts her in what she thinks is a garage. She's still wearing a blindfold, but it was, like, cold, and she could tell she was laying on cement. So, um and he puts a blanket over her and she hears him scrubbing on the other side of the wall. And Denise is thinking, what could he possibly be doing in that next room? And she vows to herself she is not going to scream or beg for her life or spend her possible last moments on earth crying and panicking in terror. So she was just going to keep it cool as much as she can. So, Good for her. Yeah. Um. But when he comes back, he cuts her zip ties and says, oh, I cleaned the bathroom for you to use, so it's ready now. And oh. that's what he was doing with the scrubbing. And he said he had to clean it completely so that there was no DNA of the owner's house that could get on her, that the police could detect. So okay. um, he tells Wait, so her- So they're in someone else's house now? Oh, like, no, they're in one of their houses, probably. Yeah. I see. It's <laughs> one of their houses. But- I get it. Um, yeah, and they didn't want their DNA on her. 
So he tells her to keep the blindfold on while she showers and that when she was done to knock three times so that he'll leave the bathroom while she changes. And he says, I don't want to have to dehumanize you any more than we already have. I want to give you your privacy. Like, wow, what a, what a gentleman, you know? Like, these little comments that he keeps making, like, he's so sorry to do this. It's just, like, it's so yeah. weird. And it's, like, also BS, you know? Like, you're still doing it. That's true. That's true. Because... It makes me think like, oh, okay, he's just doing this like as his job, basically. But also, this is horrible. And you're still doing this to someone and still causing this like terror, somebody. And then you behaving like this is just confusing. Yeah. uh, Yeah. It's mm -mm. it would it would make me think that I would be able to like, you know, form like some kind of like friendship. And then in connection with them to where, you know, he'd be like kind of, he wouldn't want to hurt me in the end, you know? Mm-hmm. But and also ex- it seems like he's done this before. Yeah. That's exactly the kind of thing that like, that's exactly what Denise tries to do. We'll see. Like form some kind of like empathy with him to try mm-hmm. and like, you know, preserve herself, not really to be his friend, but you know. Um, right. So She's put in a bedroom that has food and water in it and a bag of her belongings from Aaron's house. And the voice starts telling her about their organization and what they do. But Denise was like, can you please stop telling me these things? And he's like, why? Don't you want to know? And she's like, I don't want you to have a reason to kill me. Like, oh, now I have to kill you because you know all of this stuff. And he is like taken aback by it. He's like, oh, the plan's not to kill you. The plan is to release you after 48 hours. And the things I'm telling you, I'm authorized to say. So don't worry about it. <laughs> and um, he then tells her that they are a highly trained group with military background. And they have intensely studied psychological effects of victims in these situations. And they even practice doing this on each other so that they know how to deal with these victims and whatnot. Um, and he also says that they know everything about their targets before the kidnappings. That they watch them for months. Know their routine. Uh-huh. Go in their houses. Things like that. Okay, but also then how did you find get the wrong girl? Exactly. Exactly. Um, which is what Denise is like. She's like, um, but here you are. You're so trained and so good at this, but you messed up big time. And he's like, yeah, that's my bad. This is my first time as a leader in one of these cases. And I that was, it was my bad. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> he said, he went into the house and he saw mail to Jennifer in the house and wasn't aware. He like the last time he was in the house, they were still together, Aaron and Jennifer. So um, he wasn't aware that it was Denise. And then he said, if only I had checked your ID in your purse before entering the bedroom, none of this would have happened to you. Like, oopsie. Oh, like, oh, if oh only. my God. The gall to like say these things. Ugh. Okay. Um, that is nuts. And then in the morning, the voice comes back in the bedroom and he says, oh, we have a problem. One of us is going to have to have sex with you. <gasps> going to have to. Yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. I thought that maybe this guy had a heart. Y- nope. Yeah. Um, so back with Aaron on that note i know Um, oh my gosh i know 
literally the chapters all end like that in the book and I was like you're kidding but I'm gonna do the same thing to you guys um so detective Matt Mustard tells Aaron that Aaron's story after hearing it is too elaborate and far-fetched and he says direct quote there ain't no frogmen came into your home, which is what he said, because he's, they told him they were dressed in wetsuits. Nobody dressed in wetsuits. That didn't happen. And Mustard starts putting his own theory out there that something bad happened between Aaron and, De- De- Aaron and Denise. <laughs> that, uh, you know, I don't believe you planned to hurt Denise, but something happened. Like, you just snapped, right? And, Are you kidding? Yeah. And he said, Denise is going to be found. And when I say she's found, she's dead. Understand that. I have, I've accepted that. She's dead. I'm going to tell her family that I'm not looking for a live Denise. I'm looking for a dead Denise. And it's just a matter now when her body is going to come. She's dead. So that's what this detective is telling Aaron. Like, nobody believes him. They all think he murdered her. And I, no, that's, like, just heartless. Yeah. Like, and they're wasting time looking for her because they're all like oh she's dead obviously he did it in the wrong place yeah i just cannot imagine like being after being a victim yourself like because erin is just as much of a victim too you know and you're like desperate to try and help your girlfriend who has just been kidnapped and like and then to be accused of the crime yourself like ah that is just and I know that happens to people, obviously. Right. And, oh, my God. That would be the ter- like a new terror of that, you know? I would just feel like I was in some kind of delusion. Like some, I'd be constantly pinching myself thinking I was going to wake up from some hor- horrible dream. Just the way everything is going down and how nothing makes sense. Yeah. Your brain would just be buffering constantly. I would mm-hmm. not understand. I, I could not even tolerate it. Yeah, me too. Um, so, going back to Denise, um, the voice explains to Denise that since she was not the intended victim, they have nothing to blackmail her with. So they have to have sex with her and record it so that they can have something on her because they don't have anything. And he says it was decided that He has to do it like the voice has to do it because it was his mistake that Denise is there. And he says, this is, oh my God. He said, this is more of a punishment for me. You did nothing wrong. I just proposed to my fiance two weeks ago and that recording will be used to make sure that I stay on track with the mission. This is going to be hard for me. So this has to look consensual. Like, are you kidding me? Like, uh, it's hard for you. Yeah. Right. This is not. I. Oh my god. Oh, oh my god. god. Imagine being told that right before you're about to be raped. Like, oh my god. This yeah. is gonna be worse for me than it is for you. Like, like, oh my god. No, that's. She's not gonna give you any sympathy. Yeah. Like and and honestly, okay, yeah. Like it's really gonna be bad for you. Like you are so full of crap. Making yeah. This whole thing up. Honestly, I would not mm-hmm. believe a word. It's total BS. Um, And then he tells Denise he wants to talk to her first because he doesn't feel right having to go through with it without getting to know her first. So he asks if he can lie down next to her and they just talk. Um, And she's just like trying to save herself. So she's like, yeah, we can talk, you know, whatever. 
And he tells her he was ex-military and suffers from PTSD and insomnia and is unable to live a normal life because of his psychological difficulties, blah, blah, blah. And Denise is like, you should try therapy. It should really help you. Oh <laughs> and my God. Um, then to try and get him to like empathize with her, she tells him about her being molested as a child and how therapy helped her after that. And that really did happen to her. She's already been molested before in her life when she was a child. And like now she has to go through this again. Oh, my God. Oh my! And, and then now she's like just even talking about it right before it's about to happen. Like, yeah, like, I can't imagine that takes like some strength to like it, stay calm yeah. and try and do this for yourself. Most people, most people just shut down. Like as soon as they hear that, they would just like. I mean, if they don't panic, yeah, then they would just shut down and have to have to put themselves somewhere else. But she is literally having to like consciously communicate with him. And try to manipulate the situation. Yeah. Own experience. Oh my gosh. And he says, oh, you know what? Therapy just wouldn't work for me. I'm not the type of person it would work for. Like, BS. You never tried. I get, you know, like, you just want to say that because you want to keep doing what you're doing, you know? Exactly. Mm. But he tells her, I can see you're a strong person and it's really admirable how you're handling all of this. And then he's like, I promise I'll be gentle. I don't want to make this worse for you. And Denise, like, writes in the book that she's certain he wants her to fight. You know, she's like, I could feel this energy. She writes that, like, she could feel this energy from him that he would definitely get a thrill from her fighting back, even though he says he doesn't want her to. Um, So she decides to just, like, stay limp. So he did rape her and like recorded it but she realized like after it happened she had completely like stayed limp and she knew like oh that's not gonna look consensual so i she was sure he was gonna do it again yeah um so the detective back at the station matt mustard i seriously hate this guy um tells Aaron that the FBI is now involved and they want him to take a lie detector test and Aaron is asked a ton of questions about his family how he was raised and it takes an agonizingly long time and at the end he's told he failed the test and are you kidding yeah and like he's stressed he knows at this point that he is not being treated like a victim he's being treated like a suspect so of course like that's going to, like, affect you so much, like, mm-hmm. for your test. And, like, lie detector tests are just, they're not reliable. But whatever. And he was telling the truth. He was definitely telling the truth, you know? Ugh. But they say, the FBI agent who did the test said, there's no question in my mind that you know what happened to Denise and where she is. And now they're trying to coerce him into a confession and they keep pressing him and pressing him like confess, confess, confess. And then Aaron. That's illegal. (laughs) Yeah. And Aaron finally is like, you know what? I need a lawyer. We're not talking anymore because you're obviously not going to help me. Um, So the next morning for Denise, the voice comes back to check on her. And she asks him if Aaron has tried to contact her and if she would be able to go back to work the next day. Um, And he tells her, 
I don't think you realize the severity of the situation and how you're going to be affected by this. It's something, it is going to be something that will take a long time to recover from. Work is the last thing you should worry about right now. And I just, to tell her how she's going to react and like how she's going to like mentally suffer from this, like he knows, like, I just, I just hate the way he speaks. I'm like, is trying to be sympathetic though it's and like but he's not and like uh yeah it's like condescending and just super bizarre because like i mean you're doing this to her and then you're like oh yeah this is gonna affect you for a long time like screw you guy yeah don't tell me about it yeah and denise like in her head is she's annoyed that he's talking to her but then she starts thinking well what if he actually is upset that i'm not that i'm not more upset because he's not Uh getting the reaction he wants out of her maybe um Mm -hmm. so even though he's like pretending to be polite and everything like maybe he really is bothered you know that she's not afraid and everything um or she's not showing that she is but Um, you think that he would be like manipulating it a little bit more yeah but maybe he's still trying to maintain his character. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so yeah. Papa. I just lost my spot. Okay. So he then tells Denise that the others in the group are going to be stopping by the house to see the setup. And she feels like an anxiety attack is coming in. Like of having, she's been having to deal with him and not knowing what the others are going to do or how they're going to react, she starts having, like, this anxiety. So she asks him to be sedated while they're there. And he does. So she's asleep while they're there. And then she wakes up, and he's like, they left. They won't be coming back. Um, and he asks Denise to record a proof-of-life video that they can send out. Um, so she makes the video stating her name and that she's okay and um the what the date is so people know like i'm alive at this date and whatever and Mm -hmm. when denise's parents get this proof of life video they are relieved obviously to see that their daughter's alive um but the police strangely do not seem to be very happy that they have a proof of life video because hmm it's not going with their murder theory This is, these are, what? This is someone's life. I don't understand. Like, two people's lives. I mean, the person that's currently held captive and her boyfriend. Yeah. Like, the police, her parents were saying the police were definitely more upset that their theory was wrong than, like, being concerned of actually solving the case. That's Um, so messed up. A reporter, a reporter lets Denise's parents know that an email from the kidnappers was sent saying she would be returned safely tomorrow and that they sent a link to her location. And Denise's parents are furious that a reporter had to come to them to tell them this and that the reporter and all these other people knew about this before the police told them anything. And then they also saw footage on the news of police searching a swamp for Denise's body. And they're like, you're kidding me. You're already like sending out search parties for her body. And then you have this proof of life video and you're not even going to tell us that you were doing these things. And it's just, 
that's just not how you behave to a victim's family and no. withhold things like that. And, you know, they're honestly, in the end, they're wasting money. Bringing in the FBI, doing lie detector tests, having them search this random swamp. Like, you're wasting time and this the city's money, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Be- because you guys are all so ignorant. Yeah. Oh, my God. The- this is, like, not even, this is just the beginning of how awful these police people are. Okay? Like, as we keep going, oh my god. So, the police ask Denise's family if anything bad has happened to Denise before, and her mother tells them that she was molested as a child. And Detective Matt Mustard said, oh, this makes me so angry. Okay. He said to her mother, her poor mother, who is so scared for her daughter, he said, you know, in my experience, women who have been sexually assaulted before often pretend that it is happening again to get attention and relive that excitement and thrill of the experience. <gasps> Are you kidding me? That makes, that me-, makes me sick. I would. What? Her mother, bless her soul for not just straight out punching this man in the face and beating the shit out of him because I would have. Um, I'm sure this guy is not on the other team. Like. I just cannot believe anyone would say that. Like, who? Where? Where are the women pretending that it's happening again because they're so excited by it? Where are they? I don't think they exist. How the hell is it that this this police officer sounds worse than the guy holding her captive? Yeah! Like, what (laughs) is that? That's so terrible. That is so terrible. That I, I mean, I'm laughing because it's so ridiculous. Like, it's just mm-hmm. unbelievable. I'm like, it's just so sad. It's like, okay, there's on both sides, there's evil. Clearly, mm-hmm. it's just like, yeah, this, this kind of evil says he's a good guy. That's so bizarre. It's horrible. Um, even in the, in the book, at some point, um, Oh, you know what? I won't even spoil it because we'll talk about it in another point. I almost said that. Okay. okay. Um, so Detective Mustard keeps going on saying how now they're convinced everything is Denise's fault, that she's a liar, she's a faker, and they said that she was copying the movie Gone Girl, which, have you seen that movie? Wait, when did this happen? Yeah, This happened in 2015, one year after that movie came out. I have not seen the movie, but I've heard of it. Okay, so in the movie Gone Girl, really, this really doesn't have much to do with their case, but um, the main character, she finds out her husband was cheating on her, so she fakes her death to get him to be blamed for it, And then she comes back and like, oh, I was released by my captors. I was released. But now she's like, now you can never divorce me because you'll look like the asshole who divorced like a rape kidnap victim. So he's like, you're cop. That's what Denise is doing. You're copying my copying the movie Gone Girl now. (laughs) And now her case is their case is labeled as the real life Gone Girl. Um, which isn't the case at all. They're not faking it. 
And, but that doesn't even, like, yeah, they broke up for a little bit, but, like, so he could work on himself. Like, if, yeah. and he didn't cheat on her. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, so now. People are just vicious. People are horrible. Horrible. Seriously. So, yeah. Now the case is labeled as this real life Gone Girl case. And the Vallejo p- police are going forth with this theory that Denise and Aaron are both faking it. And now they are suspects to their own crime. So that's where um, I'm going to end it for this part. Um, now that they are suspects of their own kidnapping and ransom and everything. Yeah. Because the police are so great in this case. Love it. You know what? The police, at least that mustard dude, and um, the captors all have macabre minds. They do. Yeah. And I honestly, I can't. I mean, I don't ever try to, like, actually try to psychologically diagnose them. Mm -hmm. But... They've got severe issues, and I don't even know what their diagnosis would be. Um, narcissism? I was just going to say that. For the detective, <laughs> that both of them, yeah, narcissism. Yeah. For that detective I, thinking he's absolutely right, and the kidnappers thinking because they're this organization, they're just absolutely self-important and professional, whatever, when really you're just assholes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yep. my goodness. Yeah. And I mean, if that guy really did just propose to his girlfriend, what the I don't heck? think she wants to get married to him, you know? She, like, she would be so much better off. Yeah. I mean. Who wants to marry that guy? Well, I'm sure she doesn't even know what he's doing. Right. Just, I mean, I feel bad for her. I don't even know her. Yeah, so that is part one. There will probably be, I'm thinking, three parts to this. So we'll see. Okay. Um, Yeah. And I hope everybody enjoyed that very first episode of Macabre Minds. Um, (laughs) The transition, I hope, is smooth for all of you, our listeners, um, that you're still able to find us. All of our old episodes are still out. Um, and I did put a tag in front of every episode of our old ones that says formerly a sprinkle of sugar, a dash of murder. So hope that clears things up a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. That I mean, if there's any confusion. Yeah. If there's any confusion, you can always reach out or if if you guys are noticing anything too, you can always reach out to us on uh, Instagram or Twitter is where we are. Um, probably most accessible and then we'll also actually have an email account um but all that's still kind of in the works so we will announce that as it's coming out but um yeah probably within like the next um week here probably the next episode we'll announce our socials and everything yeah we'll have all that figured out by then (laughs) we had to figure (laughs) out the podcast transition first and then the socials transition (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, one thing at a time. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'm Casey. I'm Emily. And you just heard a spring. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and-
and you just heard heard macabre minds. <laughs> <laughs>